Good morning, America. Good afternoon, Eretz Yisrael. We're continuing the Shir and Chaim Aran in the section that's entitled Gedulas Meiroiz Hasagosari. Rabbeinazal, the awesome achievements of Rabbeinazal. And we're up to paragraph 259 in some editions, and also paragraph 19 in those that have this as a separate section. We dedicate the learning today, Lila Nishma, Saisha and Tafradal Bas and for a complete Rafua Shalema for all those that need it. Rabbeinazal said to one of his students that the thought occurred to him to take his wife and travel to some far distant remote place and be there hidden. No one should know who he is at all. And periodically, he should go come back to the marketplace and look at the world and laugh at the whole world. Rav Nassar once said to me personally that there'll come a time that people are going to be yearning in a very big way and they're going to, they're going to feel sorry that they had such an extraordinary, extraordinary chiddish amongst them and they left him and they didn't fulfill everything he told them. <clears throat> Rabbi Nezal said this referring to himself. The next paragraph, 260, Reish Samach, is a well-known item in Breslov where Rabbi Nezal used the term Hungarian wine, Ungarish wine. And Rabbi Nezal said a parable, a mushal, that there was once a very, very successful businessman that was traveling, and he had some of this Hungarian wine with him. It seems that during Rabbeinazal's time, Hungarian wine was known as the choices, the best of the best. One time, the, the, the assistant that was with him and the wagon driver said to this businessman, we're traveling with you the whole time with this very special wine, and we're going through so much struggle in those days, traveling with horse and wagon, you could imagine, wasn't easy. Allow us to taste a little bit of the wine. He said, you're right. We know the Torah tells us there's a law, that when you're using a, an ox to thresh your field, you're not allowed to put a muzzle on the, on the ox. If the, while the ox is working, let him eat. If a person has a human being, a servant, a waiter, it's not the right thing not to allow that person to participate a little in what, what you're serving. So he gave them a little bit of a taste of this expensive, special, special Hungarian wine. A while later, this assistant to the businessman was in a, in a bar where people were drinking wine in a small city. And they drank wine and they were praising the wine in a big way. And they said, this is Hungarian wine. So this assistant said, let me taste it. He tasted it. And he said, I know that this is definitely not Hungarian wine. So they got angry at him and they pushed him that he's busting their bubble. Here they're priding themselves that they're like these rich people who have this Hungarian wine. He said to them, what are you talking about? I know that this is not Hungarian wine because I was once working for this very wealthy businessman and he had Hungarian wine and I tasted it. So I know exactly what Hungarian wine is. And they ignored him. Rabbi Nezal said in the future, when Mashiach is going to come and Hashem is going to give the, 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 the people that are deserving, Yayin <clears throat> Hamishumar, which means wine that's been set aside, that's been hidden away for the good people, <clears throat> Rabbi Nezal said, other people will be able to be fooled. They'll give them volachishin, stravitzker, they'll give them other types of wine, and they'll tell them that this is very, very special wine. But my students, no one's going to be able to fool them because we have tasted the good Hungarian wine. And this is an expression that's known in Breslov, that those people who study Rabbeinaz al-Sforim, those people who learn Likutim Aran, is the other Sforim of Rabbeinaz we refer to it as Hungarian wine, meaning 
I, my Rebbe, Rebbe Michal Dorfman, used to say that every Hasidish Sefer is a star, a shining star. The Likut Moran is a sun in comparison. The difference between a person we look, we know again, in reality, a star could be very large, but from where we see it, a star is a tiny little light. The sun is much, much larger in comparison in terms of how we see it, Ex expressing the difference that the things Rabbeinazal said about himself and the degree that Rabbeinazal killed himself to get to where he got to, it's not that a person can say, oh, this is a Hasidish Sefer and this is also a Hasidish Sefer. What's the big deal? Why well, make such a big deal about it? If a person takes a look at the introduction to Likut Imran, Rav Nosenzal was very knowledgeable in all the Hasidish Svarim. He visited all of the Hasidish Tzadikim during that time, and he had tremendous deep love and respect for all of them. But Rav Nosenzal makes it perfectly clear that this is something different. This is a different league. The, the level of advice that Rav Nosenzal gives in every one of his Torahs, the practical advice and certain topics that are found in the Likut Imran that are not discussed in any other Sefer at all. Incredible, incredible revelations. We know, for example, that those chapters in Likut Imran that begin with the word Da, Da, you should know, Rav Nosenzal said the information in that chapter is coming from the Olam Hoatzilus. It's coming from the highest, highest place. And this is a very, very important Yisoyed in Yiddishkeit for a person to know that all tzaddikim are not the same and all sparim are not the same. We've spoken about this in the past. I don't want to go into the full length of explaining it, but the Zohar shows the contrast between Noyach, who is called Ish Tzaddik, Tomim Hoyo Bedoyroisov, Eswalikimis Halech Noyach, Wow, person looks at that and says, wow, he was really somebody great. He was great enough that when Hashem decided to destroy the entire world, he was an exception. Him and his family and those people that were close to him were an exception. Imagine how special he had to be. And yet the Zohar HaKadosh says that when he came out of the Teva, Hashem referred to him as Raya Shatya, you foolish shepherd. Because Noach was, was made a comment when he came out of the Teva, Hashem said, where were you before? You should have been mispalo for the people. You could have saved all of this. You, you could have prevented all of this. You didn't. It's going to be called Noah's flood, May Noyach. And the Zohar Kodesh says, Avram Avinu is something completely different. When Avram Avinu heard that the cities of Sedoim and Amor were going to be wiped out, Avram Avinu gets up and starts a whole major negotiation with Hashem trying to prevent it. In the end, he went as far as he thought he could possibly go, because the Torah teaches us that in a negotiation, you have to know when to stop. Sometimes you try for too much, you get nothing. So Avram Avinu's perception of Hashem's kindness was that it, it, it's awesome, it's, it, but it goes up to a certain point. Moshe Rabbeinu took it to a whole other level, the Zohar HaKadosh says, where Moshe Rabbeinu went but he knew that Hashem's kindness is infinite, no boundaries at all. And he was successful time and time again in getting Hashem to forgive the Jews again and again, Egel Hazohov, Meraglim, everything, everything. That's one example. And then the Zohar Kodesh gives another example with Yeshaya Hanovi, one of the 24 books of the Torah, Yeshaya Hanovi. We're going to be reading next week. We're going to be reading Chazoin Yeshayo Ben Omoid Sasher Chazal Yerushalayim. Shabbos Chazoin is the opening prophecy of, of Yeshaya Hanavi versus Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Zohar Kodesh shows that worlds and worlds apart, vast, vast differences. So for a person to say, of course, this is a good safer, there are other good sforim. That's, that's not a religious statement. There are other good sforim, no question about it but not to assume that they're the same and not to assume that they're going to have the same ability to be able to, to elevate a person, to improve a person, to give a person what they need to be able to get through all the challenges that we have you know, in our generation. Interesting question in the chat. But I've seen that it's specifically in Breslev that people often fall for teachings and teachers that make grave mistakes in understanding the Breslov tradition. 
So I don't really understand that the breast of us would be immune to something false. The answer is no one is immune. No one is immune. And, and a person picking up a breast of a safer and learning it on their own, <clears throat> sometimes there's a, there's a big potential for error. And this is why we find Pirkei Avos. My Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld used to say that Pirkei Avos is the selected choice statements of each one of the rabbis of the Gemara. In Pirkei Avos, there's a Mishnah where the Mishnah says that there are 48 ways that a person acquires Torah. That, that Mishnah is very, very serious in making it perfectly clear that this isn't just some other book. This isn't biology. This isn't chemistry where anyone can sit down, you open the book and you read it. What's the big deal? Torah is something completely different. Torah is divine wisdom. And there are all kinds of prerequisites that a person needs. And the Mishnah there mentions the prerequisites, one of them being Shimush Chachamim, one of the important ones, being shimush chachamim, meaning that in addition to reading the book, a person has to find a person, a person, an individual that they can learn from, that they can watch, because sometimes a person reads the book, they can get the wrong impression. They can get all, depending on, on the person's own understanding. And, and this, this aspect of shimush chachamim is one of the most important prerequisites to a person being successful in studying Torah properly. The Gemara makes a statement, that Shimush of Torah is greater than the study of Torah. That a person spending time, quality time with a true Talmud Chacham and watching and listening and learning, watching that, 10 minutes of that could be, could be stronger, could have a greater effect on a person than 10 hours of learning, of, of book reading. This is a, a very important prerequisite. And here, because we are in an Olam HaSheker, because we're, we're living in an Olam HaSheker, and in order that there has to be Bechira, everyone has to have Bechira free choice. That's why the world is set up in such a way that there's non-Jews and Jews. What's the percentage? A million to one, there's 15 billion people in the world. How large is the Jewish nation in comparison? Then let's take the Jewish nation, those people that are not religious versus those that are religious. The religious are a minor fraction. And then within the religious, the Gemara says in Sukkah, Higdil Lasoy Semele, that the Yitzhahara leaves the ordinary people and he focuses especially on the Tamidi Chachamim to try to get them to stumble, to try to get them to make mistakes, so that it's a delicate search. It's a search for a person to search for a tzaddik amiti, a true tzaddik, a Talmud Chacham amiti. Rabbein Azal, Rabbein Azal use these words very often. Emphasis, what, what do you mean? There's a Talmud Chacham that's not amiti? There's a Talmud Chacham shkari? The answer is obviously yes. Obviously yes. And a person has to know that this search for the emes is something that's very delicate, <clears throat> not simple. A person has to learn a lot to know how to search, number one, to know how to search. And this, with all the learning, a person has to beg Hashem all the time to be Hashem, let me be to, to walk with your emes, not with my, what, what is amitecha? Why doesn't it just say ahalech be'emes? Hashem, allow me to go with the truth. And, and Rav Nosenzal explains, because emes, there's 50 different emeses. This person says, this is the emes, and that person says, that's the emes. And I say that I think I know the emes, and I could be wrong too. And therefore, a person has to always be pleading with Hashem, Hashem, lead me with your emes, with your truth. You're the one who knows the real truth. You're the one who, who can guide me and, and, and protect me from all the potential pitfalls. The next paragraph, Reish Samachalev, 261. On the night before the bris of Rabbeinazal's son, Reb Shlomo Ephraim, who Rabbeinazal had such incredible hopes for, <coughs> Rav Nosenzal writes that Rabbeinazal sat with us for a long time and he spoke a lot about his own qualities, his own, his greatness. 
And Rav Nosenthal says, we heard many important things then. And Rav Nosenthal said that it's difficult for a person to really understand and accept the, what, what I'm saying. And Rav Nosenthal said, you can't really talk about this to everybody because other people also use the same type of words when they talk about themselves or when they, they talk about their rabbi. They say the same things. And whatever one person can say, another person can say the same thing about their rabbi. Or another person can say the same thing about themselves. But Rabbi Nezal added, it's only kol chad like the Zohar Kodesh says, it's each and every single individual person based on their own personal perception, that person has to be able to try to search for and find the truth and be able to, to know where the MS La'amito is, where is the real truth. And it's interesting, recently, going back 50 years ago, the topic of Kivrit Sadikim was, was a, a, rare, a rare commodity. Miron, let's take Miron, for example, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Miron, 50 years ago or 60, 70 years ago, throughout the year, you had to struggle to find a minion there sometimes on Shabbos. Because it, it wasn't a popular thing. Rabbi Moshe Burstein, who had a custom of going to Miron every Shabbos Mavorchim, and there were times that he would go every second week. One week home, one week in Miron for Shabbos. And there were times that there was difficulty with the minion, he said. And in recent, more recent years, the world has changed dramatically where you'll never find a Shabbos, you'll never find a weekday in Miron that there isn't a minion almost around the clock, around the clock. Minyonim for Shachris, Min and Lag Boimer has grown. The numbers pre-corona, the numbers were over a half a million people that were going to Miron for Lag Boimer during that period, those two, three days. And the other Kivrit Sadikim also, similarly, there was nowhere near <coughs> the popularity, the Kever of Shmuel Anovi, Shemenat Sadik, the others. It was known, you want to find a breast lover, go to the Kivrit Sadikim. That, that's that. Those are the ones who you'll find there. And in recent years, it changed a lot, these places. Then a new thing started happening 30, 40 years ago, that in the yeshiva world, in the Litvish world, where this was, again, if a, if a person would ask his rabbi to, whether he should go to Miron Falag Boimer, the answer was definitely not. Sit and learn. Why shouldn't you be sitting and learning? Or in general, the, I, the topic of Kivrit Sadikim was played down in a big way. Suddenly it started appearing a trip to the kever of the Chofetz Chaim, a trip to the kever of the Vilna Goyim. And, and a whole group of Rabbonim who are going to go be mispalel on your behalf in these places. It's changed dramatically, dramatically. And in more recent years, there's Reb Shaila. Everybody knows Reb Shaila and other tzaddikim. And people are quoting all kinds of incredible guarantees that this tzaddik gave and this tzaddik gave. If you come to my kever, you'll have this, you'll have that, all kinds of things. Reb Nosenzal writes on Likut HaLochas in the Hilchah Shabbos. He writes <clears throat> that a person needs to know that some of, some of this is the work of the Yetzirah, that the Yetzirah will go so far as to support and, and give popularity and, and publicity to other tzaddikim, to other rabbis, in order to keep people away from the tzaddik who's in the best position to be able to help the person and to help Klal Yisrael. And Rav Nosenzal says, every tzaddik is a tzaddik. He, has, he can help certain people, but not every tzaddik is equipped to be able to help all of Klal Yisrael, the Doremala, the Doremata, the most advanced people, people who are on the lowest, furthest away from Hashem. Remember, the Gemara says in Soita, Dafyu Dalet, where the Gemara says, why is it that we don't know where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried? So the Gemara says there, because if we'd know where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried, people would go there and they would say to Moshe Rabbeinu, you defended us when you were living, no, get up now and, and defend us. And Moshe Rabbeinu would nullify the decree. He would force the coming of Moshiach. Yes, time, right, yes, right time, no, right time. He would nullify it. And then the Gemara goes on to say, 
take a look, during Moshe Rabbeinu's time, he wasn't the only one. They were great people. Aaron Akoyen, Shivim Skenim, Yeshua, there were other great Sadiqim. None of them were able to accomplish what Moshe Rabbeinu was able to accomplish. The Gemara says this. He was the one time and time again who was able to defend the Yidden and overturn the decree. So there's a point being made very, very clearly that Sadiqim are not the same. And here again, Rabbi Nezal said, each person, each person according to what that person feels in their heart will be able to understand where the MS La'amito is, to search where is the real truth. This is true, this is true, this is good, this is good, all good, all good. But, but not all equal, that's for sure not. Now we come to something that clarifies the Sifan a little bit more. Paragraph Reish Samach Beis 262. Rabbi repeatedly reviewed what people were saying about him at the time, that there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground when it comes to Rabbi Nezal. Either what the Misnat and what his opponents are saying is true, that he's mamish, a destructive force, and stay far away from this person. As, as Dovar Amel says in Tehillim, Hadoivrim al-Tzadik Osok Begaiva Vavuz. Dovar Amel, people, I, I've heard this throughout the years. There were people who said to me, how could Breslov be, be, be correct if this great Rav said it's not, or that great Rav said it's not? Or why aren't these Rabbonim going to Rabbi Nachman? If, if Rabbi Nachman is such a big tzaddik, why aren't these Rabbonim going? And very often I'll respond, this Rav you're talking about, is he like the Shvotim? Is he like Ruvain ben Yaakov? Shimon ben Z? I don't know. I don't think so, you know. Because the Shvotim, the Torah tells us, made a tragic, terrible mistake. That there was one among them who was way, way above them, even though they had Ruach HaKodesh, they were on very high Madrega, above the Tanoim, above the Amoiroim, and yet they couldn't see. They couldn't see. It looked to them as if Yosef HaTzadik was a Balgaiva. It looked as if he was saying terrible things and doing all kinds of terrible things to the point where they made a, a Bezden and they came to a decision that this person deserves to be killed and, and we're going to do it. We're going to execute him. And they, they started, and then they decided, no, no, we don't have to dirty our hands. There's a pit of snakes and scorpions here. Throw them in there. And then they sold him into slavery to, to Mitzrayim, the worst, worst possible place on earth. The Torah calls it Ervas Oretz. And in Mitzrayim, they got him into the worst house, Poitifar, Poitifar and Poitifar's wife. The Torah tells us about Poitifar's wife and Poitifar, what their intentions were and everything. And still, Yosef HaTzadik came out on top. And every word of the prophecy, they're going to bow to him, they bowed to him. And they pleaded, they begged him for forgiveness. And Paroi said, Paroi, Paroi saw what the Shvotim didn't see. Paroi said, Hayesh, is there an Isha Lekim? Like the, is there Isha Sheruach boy like this person? When he had the dream and the dream was interpreted. And seven good years, seven, seven years of famine, the whole world is going to be wiped out. And Yeshua Tzadik said, you need somebody really, really big who can save this situation. Haroi said, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. I don't have to go searching anyway. You're the man. Isha Sheruach Boy. Paroi said this. person would say, I don't understand. Paroi is a bigger Tzadik than the Shvotim. Paroi was able to see. The answer is Paroi didn't have their Yetzirah. Paroi didn't have their test. Their test, this was their test. And this is a test throughout all the generations that there are tzaddikim, there are great people, and these tzaddikim need to, need to be able to know who they are and who they aren't, to be able to realize who's the Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the Arizal, who is the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoizal. The Gemara tells us that during the time of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi, there was a, a Rabbi Gamliel, who was a, a descendant of Dovra Melech, the Nasi of Klau Yisrael, the chief rabbi, not like today. Today, there's no such thing. Today, we say chief rabbi, the chief rabbi is accepted by a certain community. And this Rosh Yeshiva, they say, the God, he's the Godel Hador. It's the Godel Hador that's accepted by a particular community. There's no one individual that's accepted unanimously by all. There's no such thing. During Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoizal's time, there was a Nasi. There was one Nasi in Klal Yisrael. There weren't two. 
and, and the Nasi had a policy of he put a guard at the door to the yeshiva <clears throat> and they were very selective in who they accepted to the yeshiva, who they didn't. And the Gemara says in Brochus that Rabbi Shimon Bar worked out a whole scheme, an incredible plan to get Rabbi Gamliel deposed, to get him to, removed, impeached, and to get him replaced. And the Gemara says on the day that that happened, they, the doors to the yeshiva were open. They added 700 benches to the yeshiva. All kinds of new people came that were, were allowed. And that's when they learned Masech the Edyes. People came and, and reviewed all kinds of new items in Torah that weren't known till then. This was really, and the Gemara says at the end, in the beginning, it doesn't say who this was, because you look at the story as it's unraveling, you think that, wow, this Talmud is going to burn in Gehenna. It says, Maiseb the Talmud Echot, who orchestrated this whole thing. He orchestrated a world war between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel. And all the way at the end of the story, it says, and, and by the way, guess who this Talmud was, the one who did all of this? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi. There are people that think that Rabbi Shimon Marichli was just a Makubal. He had his group of Makubalim. They learned Kabbal all day, all cute. But he wasn't a Rosh Hashir. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't with the people. Here the Gemara shows that Rabbi Shimon Marichli was with the greatest of the greatest. He was the, 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 revealing the secrets of the Zohar, Kodesh Tikkunei Zohar. And at the same time, he was looking out to be Makarev, everyone who could possibly become Makura, to open the doors wide so that those who need to be allowed to come in should be able to come in. So continuing in this paragraph, so Rabbein Azar reviewed many times that during his time, there were people who said either what the Misnagdim is saying is true, that he's the worst of the worst, and maybe like Yosef HaTzadik, we got to get, get rid of this guy. Or if what they're saying is not true, then it, it's the opposite. He must be the Tzadik Emes. And, and he's a Chiddush, the most incredible Chiddush that there was never anyone like this till now in the history of the Jewish people. Because Rav Nosanzar writes, that's what people were saying at the time. The people that weren't sure were saying that Rabbi Nazar, Rabbi Nachman is something very unique. Either the worst of the worst or the best of the best. No in between. And Rabbi Nezal reviewed this. Rabbi Nezal writes, he said this, told this over many times. And he hinted to us that this is the truth. This is the truth, that there's no gray here. There's no, there's no parav. And, and Rabbi Nezal writes, writes, And each person will choose what they consider to be the truth. Because the, the truth is one. As Rabbi Nezal writes in Torah Nunala from Likut Yamran. And Rabbi Nezal adds that from this discussion, a person could realize a little bit about Rabbi Nezal's greatness <clears throat> from, from the tremendous opposition, how the Sahara went so far to oppose him in so many different ways, all the attacks that Rabbi Nezal had during his life with his own health and with losing all the different manias and obstacles that he had and be able to come to an idea as to the incredible greatness of Rabbi Nezal, because there's, there's no in-between here, there's no middle. And Rabbi Nezal adds, understand very, very well the real truth about this. Interesting to note, there's a, a Gemara, a Gemara at the end of Saita, where the Gemara gives hints as to how things are going to be before the coming of Mashiach. And one of the statements that the Gemara makes there is, that the Gemara says that the world is going to be either Kuloi Zakai or Kuloi Chayav. Either everybody's going to be religious, everybody's going to be, or Chas Vashon, the opposite. Everybody's going to be guilty. Everybody's going to be Rishon. And all the Mephoshim struggle with this, trying to understand this, that either one of these possibilities seems impossible before Mashiach comes. That every Kuloi Zakai, how? How, how could that such a thing possibly be? And Kulai Chayev, we know can't be because the Gemara says, if ever the Torah is not being studied, Hashem shuts down the world. He pulls the plug. So what does the Gemara mean? So one of the famous interpretations is that Oilam here means each individual person, that there won't be any gray anymore. People will not be able to stay in the middle. It'll be either Kulai Zakai or Kulai Chayev. People are going to be drawn to, to becoming more religious or really religious or chas the opposite. And we see during our time things that we never saw before, 
or like Little League compared to some of the things we see that the, the secular world is promoting today, the bilbil that's going on in the secular world and even in the religious world, things going seeping in, the, the kind of confusion, the terrible confusion going on. To search for the MS and to be to come close to the, and this term, MS la'amitoi, this isn't a Breslov term. The Gemara uses this wording. And a person would say, I don't understand. What does that mean? There's an MS l'shikroi? The, and the answer is yes. The Gemara speaks about that a court, when a court <coughs> processes a case and they come to a conclusion, it could be MS, could be MS, but it's not the MS Lamitoi. There's a much higher MS <coughs> by which, by which, which is a whole completely different thing. Just like when Rav Nosenzal went to Rabbeinazal for advice, his father-in-law, who was one of the major Gedoyle Ador at that time, took him as a son-in-law and was grooming him to take over his position. And he was offering him a position where he would never have to think about Parnosa. He'd be able to devote all of his time to learning and paskening, being a dayan to paskin shilas. And Rav Nosenzal went to Rabbeinazal himself and asked him, is this a good, uh, good direction for me to go in my life? And Rabbi Nassau said, Nishkosha. Nishkosha in Yiddish means good, good. And Rabbi Nassau heard good, and, and he, he felt something is not real. Something that, that's, I, I, I think he's not being really honest with me. And at a different occasion, he asked the question again, and Rabbi Nassau gave the same answer. Nishkosha. And Rav Nosenzal knew, he, he knew the truth enough. He was honest enough with himself and honest enough about everything in Yiddishkeit that you couldn't fool him. Even a tzaddik couldn't fool him. And then the third time he went over to Rav and he said, Rebbe, I want to know the emes or emes. Tell me the real truth. Is this what I should be doing? Rav Nosenzal said to him, you want to know the real truth? The real truth? Something totally. That's rice and chlorin. In, in, in English, you have to burn rubber. You have a different mission in life completely. If Rav Nusenzal would have taken that position, we wouldn't be learning Chayim Aran now, and we wouldn't have a Likute Maran, we wouldn't have anything. With, with all due respect to Rav Nusenzal himself said, were it not for him, there wouldn't be a page of my writings. Proof is, we don't have any Sforim that were written by any of the other Talmudim. Only Rav Nusenzal was the one who killed himself to make sure to document Everything he could possibly document, the Likutei Moran, the Chayim Moran, the Sichoi Saran, the Sipure Maisius, the Sefer Amidois, everything, everything to try to see to it that nothing should be lost. And still there were things that were lost, but he did everything possible in the world to salvage it. And on top of that, he was Zorcha that Rabbi Nezal gave him a Biro Hamedame, that, and Rabbi Nezal told him that he's qualified to be Mechadesh in Torah. To give us a likuti alochais, to give us this forum that Rabnosis himself gave us, which are unbelievable. And here we see that even when a person is coming to a Rav, I remember hearing this <coughs> from Rav Rosenfeld, person goes to a Rav and asks a Shaila, is this kosher? And the Rav says yes. And then one of the Rav's children sees him eating that, doing that. He says, Why are you eating that? What do you mean? I asked the Shaila, I asked your father, I asked the Rav, and he said it's okay. I know in our house, we don't use that. Or we, we don't use that at all. I don't understand. He told me it's okay. What the, what's going on here? There's two Torahs. And the answer is yes, there's two Torahs. Depending on how you ask a question, that's how you'll get the answer sometimes. You want to ask, am I allowed to do it? Yeah. Would you do it? Something completely different. The answer is definitely. Why not? If you're allowed, why not? Because within Mutter, there's levels and levels and levels. And according sometimes, if a person is looking to get a passing grade, then they'll get a passing grade. That tzaddik, the Talmud Chacham, will give them what they need to pass. If a person is looking to do the right thing, that if a person wants to know what's really right, the person wants to know, would you do this? Would you eat that, that kind of thing? Then they'll get sometimes a completely different answer. It's brought the Zohar Kodesh says that in the in the Aseris Adibrois, one of the Ten Commandments is loy signoiv, thou shalt not steal. And, it, and there it's brought that it refers to genevis das also, that in terms of somebody fooling somebody or tricking somebody, that's also a form of geneva. 
And the Zohar Kodesh says that there's a psik in between the loy and signoid. Don't, period, steal. And the Zohar Kodesh says that there are times when it comes to a tzaddik or a Talmud Chacham that a person is allowed to steal. For example, if a Talmud Chacham is, he's about to give over a Dvar Torah and he says, did I ever tell you this Dvar Torah about this? If the person heard it already, they're allowed to say, no, they're allowed to say, no, I never heard it. Why? Because they want to hear it again. Why do they want to hear it again? For two reasons. Number one, when you hear something a second time, it has a, 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 an important effect. And number two, the Torah promises, ein base medrash chidish, that when a true Talmud Chacham says a Dvar Torah, if you heard it before, it's very likely that you're going to hear something new that you didn't hear before. You're going to get something new. So here again, depending on how serious a person is in that search for the emes, there's levels and levels and levels of how serious a person is that I'm not looking to pass. I'm not looking to, to, to get the, I, I want the maximum. When it comes to Yiddishkeit, I want maximum. I want the best. We know that in the Olam Agashmi, in, in materialism, there are many people today who if they hear there's this and it costs 5,000, but if you want the better one, it's 12,000. You need a better one, right? There's no hesitation. We know when it comes, the, the Baal Shem Tev once said that we say in Aleinu, when it comes to Ruchnius, when it comes to heavenliness, Mimal, always look above you. If there's better, if there's more, always want the better. I want the better one. I, want, I don't want the better. I want, I want the best. When it comes to earthliness, when it comes to Gashmius, Mitochas. If you see that there's someone that has less than you, then, then I'm okay. I don't, I'm, I don't have to feel bad that there's somebody that has more than me. There are people that have less than me. So Baruch Hashem, I have to be super content and satisfied with what I have, that kind of thing. Any questions? Rav Nelson writes, that the first Rosh Hashanah that he came to Rabbeinazal, Rabbeinazal met Rabbeinazal in the month of Elul. Rabbeinazal had moved to the city of Breslev from a different location completely. And Rabbeinazal was living in Nemerov, which was about 18 kilometers from Breslev. <clears throat> and they heard that a new Rebbe came to town and people were saying unusual things about him. And Rabbeinazal was always searching, searching, he, he, with all that he had received from all that Sadiq and he met, he felt something, something's missing. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not where I need to be. And when he heard a new Rebbe came to town, him and his friends went to Breslov to see Rabbeinazal. And the whole story is documented about that first meeting. And already he heard that by Rabbeinazal, Rosh Hashanah is the main thing. At that time already, Rabbeinazal made it clear to his Talmudim that Rosh Hashanah, Gora Zach is Rosh Hashanah. The most important thing is to be with the tzaddik for Rosh Hashanah. Rav Nassau went home, got his clothes, got his stuff, and came back for Rosh Hashanah. <coughs> that first Rosh Hashanah, Tovku Samar Gimel, 5,563. And Rav Nassau says, I was there for Rosh Hashanah, and the entire Aseris Yemei Tshuva, through Yom Kippur, till after Yom Kippur. After Yom Kippur, I went home, and Reb Yudel and Reb Shmuel Isaac, they remained for Sukkot. And I heard some very precious things from Reb Yudel afterwards that he had heard after I had left, Reb Nosenzal says. But unfortunately, I don't remember them well. Picture Reb Nosenzal saying these words, I, do, I, I don't remember. When we sometimes, when we forget something, we feel terrible this, that. We need to know that even by Reb Nosenzal, who's a completely different it was possible to, to certain things could be forgotten. And he says, once on Hoshana Rabbah, Rabbi Nezal said to the people that were there at the time, what can I do that these two murderers are, are standing near me and, this, and they're telling me that, that I am a manhig, that I am a leader of Klal Yisrael. And he pointed to Rabbi Yudel and Rabbi Shmuel Isaac when he said two murderers, Reutzchem, he called them. And Rav Nusazal says, because they were so attached to him, because they were so on top of him in a sense. And Rav Nusazal says, who can understand why Rav Nusazal used that kind of term that he called them Reutzchim? Because these people were very, very precious in his eyes. 
they were among his greatest mechurovim, these two giants. Rebutel, before he came to Rabbeinazal, was a mekubal. He had his own students. He was a giant. And Reb Shmuel Isaac also, the things that are written about him, about his tefillah, his dveikus and tefillah. Rabbi Nosnazal writes that we don't understand how Rabbeinazal used this term. On Shmini Atzeres, Rabbeinazal spoke to them <coughs> about the tremendous importance of dancing and clapping hands because Simchas Torah was coming, which is one of the greatest celebrations of the whole year. And Rabbeinazal spoke about somersaults, about people who know how to make summer, somersaults, wheel cards, they call it also. And Rabbeinazal said this, this, the Torah speaks about this. The Torah says that when it came to Matan Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Hashem, Hashem al Sinai, and Hashem came down, a reverse. Hashem going down and Moshe Rabbeinu going up, <clears throat> as is found in Sichai Saran in Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, paragraph 86. And Rabbeinu Sal spoke about all the, all the comedy acts that people do at a simcha, on simcha stoira, things that people do to, to make freilich. And Rabbeinu Sal revealed Dvorim incredible things. Afterwards, the people from the city started coming <clears throat> and they came with song and joy which was the minig in those places in Eastern Europe on Shmini Atzeres. Don't forget in Chutzlores, we're talking about where the Shmini Atzeres and Simchas Torah, two days. And then Rabbi Nezal turned to Rabbi Yudl and Rabbi Shmuel Isaac, and he said, go, because now I have to, have to be with them. I have to be with these people. And this is not shayach to you. This has nothing to do with you. And they left, they left. We see again, Rabbi Nezal speaks about this a lot, that by the tzaddikim, there are different categories. There's the dore malo, the dore mato. And the tzaddik knows how to deal with each one on his level. When they, we, we just had recently, a week ago, we read Pasha's Pinchas, that when Moshe Rabbeinu was preparing to leave the world, and he asked Hashem to give the Yidden a replacement, he said, ish asheruach boy, the, the qualification to be the manig of Klal Yisrael, ish asheruach boy, one who knows how to address every single different yid. He knows what this person needs and what that person needs. And sometimes it's two different things. Sometimes they have to be kept apart, separate places to be able to address their needs and their needs. It's brought that there was a minute during Rabbi Nezal's time that they would walk him to shul for Simchas Torah, the people under a chuppah. They would walk him under a chuppah to shul that's how he would go into the shul for, for Simchas, the night of Simchas Torah. And Rav Nassar writes that there was tremendous, tremendous celebration then. Rav danced a lot <clears throat> from the beginning of the night until a few hours into the night of Simchas Torah. And it's known the, the incredible, incredible sweetness and holiness of Rav dancing that his dancing was something extraordinary because a person who hadn't seen that, Rav Nosal said, you never saw anything like this in your life, Rav Nosal's dancing. Interesting to note, the people see this, rest of them is Shigoyim. Could have been learning Torah. The Arizal. The Arizal, there are people who would be less hesitant to use that kind of word about the Arizal. It's brought that the Arizal on the night of Simchas Torah when they finished dancing in the shul that he was in, he would go to the next shul. He would go from shul to shul, dancing on the night of Simchas Torah until, he, until the last shul closed their lights or finished, finished their dancing on the night of Simchas Torah. We're talking about the greatest, greatest of tzaddikim who appreciated every second was so precious in their lives. And they understood the incredible chashivas of dancing with the Sefer Torah, then the celebration the, the, you know, related to, to, to the Torah Glacier. Rabbi Nezal adds that we already discussed this earlier, that that year, Rabbi Nezal had danced a lot <clears throat> on Shemini Atzeres, on Shabbos Hanukkah, at Shalashudis, after he said, Torah Ches and Likud Imran, Ro'isim and Oira Zohov, and on Purim, and then Rosh Nisan was when his daughter Sora got married, and Rabbi Nezal danced a lot with the with the kala at, at, at Shalashudis of the Shabbos Hasana. <clears throat> and then afterwards, when he, after he said the Torah Memtes, 
<coughs> where, where Rabbein Asar began that Torah with the words, but when he gave over the Torah in writing, he, he began, it began with the words, some oil but, and after Rabbein Asar said the Torah, he danced a lot with his daughter. And Rabbein Asar writes, Ashrei Ashrei to the person who saw this, the concept of a mitzvah tans. <clears throat> and and Rabbein Asar says, I heard from Rabbein Asar himself that he said that that year I danced a lot because there were terrible gzeros that were being planned against Klal Yisrael. And by dancing and clapping, that's how we're able to be mamtik the dinim and eliminate gzeros. And it's known that Rabbi Nezal said he was successful in pushing off those gzeros, the Cantonese, for 20 some odd years. And Rabbi Nezal writes that it was later, after Rabbi Nezal was nifted during Rabbi Nezal's time, approximately 20 some odd years that those decrees went into effect. Question. I always hear about this with the gzeros, so... Really, what was gained? The Rebbe just pushed off the Gezeira, but the Gezeira still came to play later. The, the Gemara says, Bos Dina, Bottle Dina, that when a, when a Gezeira is postponed, it becomes nullified. Meaning, number one, it could have been, it didn't have to come back. Could be if the people had done what they should have continued, you know, should have done, it would have been the end completely. But the fact that Rabbi Nassau pushed it, a, a tzaddik, one of the functions of a tzaddik is to protect his generation. The Gemara says a tzaddik who in his vicinity that uh, somebody gets hurt, it implies that the tzaddik isn't, isn't really as high as he should be. Because if he were really such a great tzaddik, in the area that he's in, there should be a shmira for a hundred miles around him that nobody could be hurt. And again, a shmira in time that he was able that during his lifetime, and again, for 20 some odd years, he was able to, to push it off. Had Moshiach could have come during that time, there could have been all kinds of Yeshua's. The next paragraph, Reish Samachay, <clears throat> Rabbi Nezal was once talking about the fact that he recently started learning Chosh Mishpat again, the fourth section of Shulchan Aruch, which in some ways is the most difficult, that deals with money matters, litigation, all. and he started learning the Shulchan Aruch, the, the Ramah, the Beisayset, together with the Shach and the Sma, the two major commentaries over there. And Rabbi Nezal said that in a short period of time, he got up to Simmons chapter 91, which means he learned about 200 blat, 200 pages of Chesh Mishpat in a short period of time, and Rabbi Nezal said he remembers every single paragraph, every single sif, for exactly where it begins. And there was a rov there at the time, a rov, and they started talking about different questions that come up in Chesh Mishpat, and the rov couldn't, couldn't answer. Rabbi Nezal was asking him questions in Chesh Mishpat there, and the rov couldn't answer. And then Rabbi Nezal writes, there was a doctor there, and Rabbi Nezal spoke to him, <coughs> also didn't know they couldn't couldn't respond at all. And Rabbi Nezal said <coughs> that, that in Nigla, in the revealed part of the Torah, in Gemara and Halacha, it's much easier to be mechadesh, to see new things in the Halacha, than it is in Nistar, in Kabbalah, in secrets of Torah. But Rabbi Nezal writes, unfortunately, I don't remember again. He has these words, and I don't remember the, comment, the, the discussion well. And Rabbi Nassar writes, there were many times that we saw Rabbi Nassar speaking to people about halachas in Shulchan Aruch, in the big Shulchan Aruch. In those days, there wasn't a Mishnah Brura, there wasn't a Kitzah Shulchan Aruch, there weren't these, these things. And Rabbi Nassar was a bucky in all of these laws. He knew these laws thoroughly and clearly, incredibly, to the point where somebody who had just been learning that topic, when they spoke to Rabbi Nezal, they, they didn't have the same level of clarity. When they got into a discussion, they weren't as clear in the halachas as Rabbi Nezal was in those halachas. Rabbi Nezal says, I also heard it told over in Rabbi Nezal's name that he said that if he would have wanted to, to say drushes, in Gemara Rashi Toysis, <clears throat> then all the rabbis would be 
under his feet, meaning they would all be learning from him. They would all be his students. But Rabbein Azal said, I don't have cheshik for that. I, I don't have a, a desire for that. And then Rabbein Azal added that in Nigla, it's much easier to be mechadesh. And Rabbein Azal is a person who studies Rabbein Azal's words carefully, could, could come to a realization of what kind of levels of chachmo Rabbein Azal had achieved. The next paragraph, Reish Samachvov, Rabbein Azal said that all of the good things that Moshiach is going to do for Klal Yisrael, <clears throat> I'm able to do those things also. The difference is that Moshiach is going to de- issue a decree and it's going, to, it's going to be fulfilled. But I and Rabbein Azal didn't finish the sentence. Rabbein Azal says this is one version of what he said. And another version is <clears throat> that he said, but I cannot complete this. I cannot finish this job. And Rav Nosanzal said, there's a third version, which is that by me, there's still Bechira. Rav Nosanzal said, I'm going to be giving the same advice and the same solutions as Mashiach is going to give. It's just that when Mashiach is going to give it, there's not going to be any free choice anymore just about. Everyone is going to comply. Everyone's going to do it. And now there still is Bechira. I remember once hearing when I first came to Breslov in one of the Shurim in Eretz Yisrael, <clears throat> that I believe Rabbi Yechaim Zechman of has said this in the name of one of the tzaddikim, that he said that when Moshiach is going to finish his shir, when he's going to be giving a Dvar Torah to Klal Yisrael, at the end he's going to say, Maran, as is explained in Likutei Maran. We know that there are many tzaddikim, great tzaddikim, throughout the generations, that, that quoted Likutei Moran and that, that revered it in a very revered Rabbein and his teachings in a very big way. Rabbein says, I heard it told over, I heard it said over in the name of Rabbein that he said <coughs> that he was to achieve Yechida on its highest level. Yechida should be Yechida. And Rav Nosanzal explains, because the, these, the Arizal explains that there are five levels to the ruchnius of a person, to the spirituality of the person. There's the nefesh, which is the lowest level. Then there's ruach. Then there's neshama. Then there's chaya. And then there's yechida. Yechida is the highest, highest level. <laughs> and, and it's known that the nefesh of neshama, the lowest level within neshama, is much, much higher than the Yechida of Ruach. And Rabbein Azal said that he was Masig Yechida on its highest level, on its highest level. So Rabbein Azal said, <clears throat> so this would imply that I know a little bit. I know a little bit. I know Matt. And I'm on, on a very high place. But still, I want more. I want more because who knows? Maybe there must be more and more because Hashem is infinite. Infinite means that there's no end. That even though the Arizal describes these five levels, it doesn't mean that it's the end. They're still higher and higher. Madregas that are higher and higher. Interesting that, that the word ma'at is used here. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim where the Pasuk says, Vatechasrehu ma'at me'elokim. Referring to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara says, what does that mean? Eloikim is Hashem. The Gemara says that Hashem is the 50th level, the 50th level of Bina. Moshe Rabbeinu achieved 49 out of 50. 49 out of 50 levels of Bina, that's this ma'at, the term ma'at being used about Moshe Rabbeinu. The Arizal says, let me qualify this. <clears throat> each name, each name of Hashem has a certain different number of formats that it can be written. Hashem's name, Yud Kevavke, <clears throat> which has four letters, but because two of the letters are the same, because the letter hey is repeated, it has 12 combinations. There are 12 yud based sirufe avaya, whereas Hashem's name, Aleph, Dalit, Nun, Yud, where it's four unique letters, A, B, C, D, has 24 combinations. When you have five letters, Hashem's name, Eloi Kim, which has five letters, you can have 120 different sirufim. The Arizal says, Vatechasreyu me'at me'loikim. Me'at is 119. 
Moshe Rabbeinu was masik 119 out of 120. Out of 120 units of Elikim, Moshe Rabbeinu was masik 119, that level. Rabbeinu Zal said, <clears throat> I'm going to sing the song of the future, the song that Klal Yisrael is going to hear in Olam Ha, the song of all the Sadikim and Hasidim. And we know that Rabbeinu Zal refers to this topic of the Shir Shalosid Lovoi in a few places in Likut Imran, Torah Samach Dalid, in the last Torah that Rabbeinu Zal said on Rosh Hashanah, Torah Ches, in the second half of Likut Imran, Likut Imran Tanina. Rabbeinu Zal has one more closing statement in this paragraph, <clears throat> that once Rabbeinu Zal lifted up his hands up to his shoulders, and he, he motioned from the shoulder downward. And he said, all of the other leaders, all of the other tzaddikim are from here downwards. <clears throat> and then he lifted up his hands above his head and, and downward up to the shoulders. And he said, and I find myself on this level. And Rav Nusazal writes, v'hadvorim atikim. This is something that's very, very deep. And he says, look in the Kisvi Arizal. And if you have an understanding in Kabbalah a little, you'll be able to understand <clears throat> what Rabbeinu Zal was speaking about here, about the, the, the different levels that a person can get to when a person wants to fulfill the will of Hashem, the different levels of shleimus that a person can get to in completing his tzelem aleikim. Because the Arizal speaks about different levels of Kiddusha, <clears throat> and the Arizal says that a lower level the highest that it could possibly get to compared to the level above it is up to the chose, up to the chest. <clears throat> Whereas the higher level is, is that much above it, head and shoulders above, that kind of concept. And again, this Rabbeinu Zal was referring to here. We'll add one more short paragraph. Rabbeinu Zal said, I have the ability to receive huge sums of money and it shouldn't affect me one iota. It shouldn't make any change in me at all whatsoever. Because it's normal by people, when a person receives money, especially when he receives a large sum of money, his face changes. <clears throat> it, it affects a change in the person. But by me, even if I would receive a huge sum of money in one shot, it wouldn't affect any iota of change in me at all. And Rav Nassazal says, I heard it said over in the name of Rav Nassazal, that he said that his ability to receive money is one of the incredible chidushim by Hashem, among the, the chidushim that, are, that exist by Hashem. Because by Hashem, there are many, many different chidushim, many out, unique things. And Rav Nassazal's ability to receive money is among the great, great chidushim by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's interesting, we're saying this today at the culmination of a six-week trip to the United States, which some people would refer to as a fundraising trip. I, I remember my Rebbe, uh, Reb Michal, Reb Michal Dorfman, one time when I was leaving on a trip to America, he said to me, you're not a mishulach, you're not a collector. You're going on a mission, do what, you, do what you're supposed to do, and Hashem will do what, what needs to be done, you know, regarding fundraising, that kind of concept. The, 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 what's going on in, in the world today, what's going on in Claudius world today, on one hand, we see incredible, incredible chidushim. We see a neighborhood like Munsi, which 50 years ago, you would drive around Munsi, you'd see a shul, a little shul here, a little shul over there. Today you drive, you see gorgeous, gorgeous shuls, binyanim kanayno, shuls, yeshivas, mikvahs, one bigger than the other, one larger or more beautiful than the other. Shem should help that the entire from world should have prosperity, should have shefa brochen and and should be matzliach, and especially all of Rabbeinazal's and Yonim, that Rabbeinazal should have the ashiras dikdusha that he needs to be able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, to bring us to the Gula Shleimah b'mher v'yameinu, amen v'yameinu. Honor their tzaddikim in every single generation that protect that generation. The answer is definitely yes. There's an expression, Ein doyar yosoyim, that there, there can never be a generation that's completely orphaned. There have to be tzaddikim, but again, different levels, different levels of tzaddikim 
and different levels of capability of protecting, of shmira. Rav Nelson Zal writes on Kut in one place that in, in Mayrav we say, we, we speak about shmira, that in this world, all of us need incredible shmira, baruchnius and begashmius. There's so much there's so much danger in the world, both in Ruchnius and Gashmius. And we, we need to know that we need this Shmira. And one of the most important aspects of this Shmira is this Hiskarvus Tzadikim, to, to be under the wing, to be under the pre-protection of the Tzadik. And we give the example of the Maraglim. Twelve people went on the mission. Moshe Rabbeinu protected one of them. Moshe Rabbeinu was able to provide a Shmira for Yehoshua. Not because Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't great, but because Yehoshua's relationship with Moshe Rabbeinu, such a loyalty, such a closeness, that Moshe Rabbeinu provided a shmira for him. Kolei ben Yifune went to the Mora Samach Pela. The Mora Samach Pela was able to provide a shmira for him that he shouldn't fall into the, the pitfall of the Maraglin. The others didn't have those two things, and unfortunately were... We're going into the nine days this week, the nine days in Tishabov, because they didn't have that Shmira. And they came back and gave a bad report about Eretz Yisrael, which led to the, the, the destruction of both Beis Amikdashis. Shmizrecha to come close to the Tzadikim Amitiyim and, and as close as we possibly can. And they, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Tzadikim should provide the complete Shmira that we and our families and all of Klai Yisrael needs.